Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Alright, well hello Pistons fans, and welcome to a special edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. We'll call it episode 60 and a half, because we're not quite to the weekly episode of the Palace of Pistons podcast, but your boy Aaron Johnson here, joined by Dominic Scaturro, and we had Dom on the podcast a few weeks back. And when we were talking with him, we were talking about what playoff team we wanted to face in the playoffs, like the Pistons were going to end up having a choice. Well, they ended up sitting at the AC. They didn't get the choice of tanking to play the Raptors or tanking to play the Sixers. They fell all the way to 8th and are taking on the Bucks. After Game 1, Pistons lose in blowout fashion. Uh, all the storylines from that, no Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond ejected for a shove to Kawhi Leonard, uh, Luke Kennard leading the team in scoring, uh, for the Bucks, Giannis looking unstoppable. All those storylines aside, there seems to be a lot of negativity surrounding the Pistons in the playoffs. And we talked about it on the podcast on Friday uh, with the main group, myself, Brendan Johnson, and Ryan Pay. We talked about if it was good for Detroit to make the playoffs this year. And all three of us on that podcast agreed that it was. My stance remains the same even after the drubbing in Game 1. Dom, what are your thoughts? I think it has to remain a positive thing. Uh, and you look at Luke Kennard right away, and you say Luke had 21 points in his first playoff game, and that's exceptional. It's something that it's very good to see out of one of our young guys. And regardless of the result, and you know, let's say this series goes four games, which we hope it goes hopefully five games, and we can get one win in here against the best team in the NBA right now, um, I, I just think that it's a good thing that some of the younger guys, even with how poorly Thon played, uh, that's still a young guy that's getting more playoff experience. Luke, as I mentioned, getting playoff experience. I think even Andre, who's not necessarily one of the younger guys, but getting a second playoff postseason experience and really starting to build on that, build on a culture, as Dwayne Casey mentioned so often, of a team that is going to be going to the playoffs. And like he mentioned before, this is just the beginning with this team and with who we have right now. And regardless of what happens, it is still going to be positive that this team is in the postseason. Well, we went to Twitter uh, for this special edition podcast. We wanted to get the questions that Twitter Sphere had for us. A lot of those questions, not necessarily about this season or this playoff series, they're more so looking into next year or in a, in a grand scheme of things for the Pistons, but we'll get into them still, even though we will go back to talking about this playoff series. The first question coming from at MMA Josh. He asks, what's your evaluation so far on last year's draft picks during this season? So I'm assuming he's talking about Bruce Brown and Kyrie Thomas. Maybe you can consider Svima Hiluk, even though yeah, he was only played in one or two games for the Pistons and they did not draft him, but... What are our thoughts? I mean, Bruce Brown starting the majority of the games for the Pistons and Kyrie Thomas in limited minutes. We haven't seen too much, but when he's gotten in, has shown definitely a few good things here and there. I, In my opinion, it's been a pretty successful stretch for them this year. I think this is one of the best draft classes the Pistons have had in a long time. I think that 
you know, regardless of Bruce Brown's offensive impact throughout the year, and obviously we all know what he brings to the defensive side of the ball, he's been somebody who we are looking to be able to develop. And, you know, this isn't like, this isn't a Stanley Johnson that you got to pick eight that you expected to come out of the gate and play big minutes, and especially under, you know, SVG's tenure, especially towards the end, you didn't see the young guys playing a lot of minutes. So you get Bruce Brown out there, he's playing minutes, he's playing good defense, and what we need to work on the offseason is clear, and we have the coach to do that and work on this offensive game. I think Bruce has been a great surprise for us this year. I was looking more towards Kyrie Thomas on draft night when we got him, and, you know, we really haven't even seen him that much, as you mentioned. And every time I go to a game and I get to the game early, I watch Kyrie warm up. He goes out there and he works out with Andre as Andre warms up and runs the pick and roll with him and gets out there and gets his shots up with Sweeney and the other coaches around him. And I think that this really could be the backup point guard of the Pistons' future, especially pending Ish Smith's free agency. I think this kid's going to be able to hoop on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm looking forward to it. I think these are both good draft picks. And even, you know, like you touched on Savi, I think Savi's a good prospect to have. And we'll see as he gets healthy from that finger injury that he suffered and a good successful surgery that, you know, he's going to be able to come out, go in the G League, show us what he can do on the offensive side of the ball and hopefully get some minutes early in the season next year and just kind of show what he can do for this ball club. Yeah, I think when you look at Bruce Brown, I mean, a guy that started 56 games for the Pistons, they made the playoffs, they started him in game one of the playoffs. And there's a guy that Detroit has a lot of confidence in, and I think, especially with what happened with Stanley Johnson this year, when he just wasn't contributing on the offensive end, but you knew the defense he brought to the table, I think that Dwayne Casey would would have a short leash if Brown wasn't making a positive contribution to the team because he tried so long with Stanley Johnson. And the Pistons franchise, even before Dwayne Casey, tried so long to get something out of Stanley Johnson on that end. But the difference with Brown is he's not taking 8 to 10 shots a game. You know, Stanley would take three, four, three to four three-pointers a game. He'd take a couple mid-rangers, try to get inside. That's not what Bruce Brown does. You know, Bruce is a guy that is going to be very limited on the offensive end, not only because that's his skill set, but because he's not a, you know, a guy that's looking to score the basketball, and that's different than what Stanley Johnson tried to do. With Bruce Brown, we know that right now he's just a defensive player. With Stanley Johnson, it was, we know you're a defensive player, but the pressure's on for you to start playing basketball on Absolutely. the offensive end right now. So for Bruce, you're seeing a kid that is NBA-ready on the defensive level, but needs an offseason to you know, get that NBA skill set on the offensive end under him. He's going to have to work on shooting. He's going to have to work on finishing at the rim against NBA size and NBA length. Those are things that are expected for a rookie. And, and, you know, with Bruce being being a second-round pick, there weren't expectations there. I mean, I remember one of the podcasts before the season began, we talked about Bruce Brown. Like, you know, we'd love to see him get in into blowouts this year, and you know, just kind of show a little bit. And I was on the same page with as you, Dom. I was more excited about Kyrie Thomas, who continues to really excite me, and he played very well in just a few short minutes against the Milwaukee Bucks uh, in Game One. Played just nine minutes. He scored nine points on four or six shooting. Added a rebound. Added a steal. He was a plus plus six. He was the highest plus minus on the team, and. Plus minus really doesn't mean much in a game that you lose by 45 points. But for him to be the highest plus minus and for him to play the way he did, it shows something. And, you know, he made a really nice take to the rim with a nice stutter step. Then he finished at the basket. 
there's a player there with Thomas, and we know he can shoot the basketball. He's got really good length. He's got a great wingspan for his size. So uh, there's a lot to like with Thomas. And then Sfee, you know, that's a guy that he's going to need some more time. Obviously out for the rest of the season. Detroit hoping to develop him at point guard this offseason. So we're, we're expecting to see that in summer league. But those three guys, I mean, I would like to specifically focus on Bruce and Kyrie because they've been here all season and we've got to really see them play. At least for sure Bruce, Kyrie obviously again in a more limited role, but uh, both of them have shown some very nice qualities uh, to, be, to look forward to if you're a Detroit Pistons fan because they both look like they have a, a real future with this ball club and can pro- provide something of value. Um, but moving on, we're going to talk. we got a couple off-season questions we're going to get to here. And the first one is from at... Dino Ordo, or I'm not. I'll spell it out for you. At D I N O R D O, he says offseason moves. Which players do you see back next year? With the success of Luke, do you see the Pistons trading their first rounder for veteran talent or trade down, etc.? I think that this team's going to keep that pick. I think that we've got to build through the draft. Uh, this is the Detroit Pistons. This is not a big market team. Uh, this is not a team that has money to go out and you know really toss at free agents that we can really rebuild with. And I think that you know having the 15th pick in the draft is a solid pick. You know you're one outside of the lottery, and especially in this year's draft that's so top heavy. I don't think that, and I know we've talked about this a lot between you know Pistons Twitter and all the fans that have this um, either pro going to the playoffs or pro tanking it's just not that much of a difference between being the 10th pick or the 15th pick and I think that they keep that 15th pick they look at who's on the board right there and there's there's some good prospects that you know they can go get and hopefully they you know I'd like to see them go get a shooting guard uh in this draft I think there's enough shooting guards around where they're going to be picking where one of those guys is going to hit and have a good NBA career if they can find that guy I think you know, right at 15, they have a, a good shot to do that. Um, you know, I, th- I think that running through the lineup next year, you're going to have Reggie starting. This is a guy that we're super concerned about with injuries. He's played all 82 games this year. Uh, you watch his interview with Johnny Kane before game one, and he talks about having, you know, Arnie back in the training staff and medical staff, and that really helped him, and he really feels like he's somebody that's not going to be injury-prone going forward, that he can take care of himself and really stay healthy. So I'm excited about Reggie next year. I'm excited to see uh, you know, him go 82 games. I'm excited to see what he can do for a full season healthy because, you know, Aaron, we didn't see that this year. Uh, we know around you know, Christmas time, you know, closer to the second half of the season is really when Reggie started clicking. So we have our point guard next year barring that he's healthy i think at backup we've got to get ish back it has to happen he's a spark plug off the bench he's found a home here in detroit it's a mutual benefit 100 percent of mutual benefits good for ish to be here and it's good for us to have ish he's great with the second unit obviously coach casey loves him and i think having reggie and ish at the point guard is a great start to next year's lineup you go to shooting guard I don't know who we're going to start at shooting guard. It, it can't be Bruce for a, another year if we want to continue to get better and build. Bruce, I think, should get minutes in the rotation. But if we're going to use him as a defensive player and then start to work on the offensive game, that's not something that a playoff team, a good playoff team, who's trying to go in that fourth, fifth, or sixth seed and take that next step, you know, you can't have Bruce Brown in the starting lineup. 
unless you know Dwayne Casey goes in the offseason and does something spectacular with Bruce Brown and he starts finishing at the rim. But I would think that that's where the Pistons have to go out and get a solid free agent to start at shooting guard. And then you have guys that can fill in and back up between um, you know, however much Kyrie can develop. Maybe you run him at some shooting guard minutes. You have Bruce there. And then, you know, we'll see what Savi does. But uh, there's multitude of options there at shooting guard. But that, I think, is the Pistons' biggest need. You move to small forward. You have Wayne Ellington, who's going to be a free agent. And then you have Reggie Bullock that you traded, who's going to be a free agent, whose value has decreased immensely since he moved over to the Los Angeles Lakers and had, you know, a not so impressive second part of the season. Somebody that who liked being here, he didn't want to leave. You know, just before the game at Madison Square Garden when he got traded at the trade deadline, he said he wanted to stay in Detroit. And we couldn't afford him, but now that his value's dropped a bit, maybe we can. And maybe that's a guy that we bring back to be at small forward. And then another guy that I know, Aaron, you really like, I really like, somebody that we think would fit in great with Blake Griffin, who already fit in great with Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, who we feel like is definitely going to be out of Boston. He's said he's not having fun playing basketball there, and we know Marcus Morris liked it in Detroit, and that's definitely somebody that the fans would love to see, the front office would love to get if they can get him on a good deal, and it would highly benefit the team. I think that's a guy... The number one guy that I'd like to see at small forward, if we could go out and get Marcus Morris from the Boston Celtics and bring him in with the starting five, I think he would fit perfectly. He's got that dog piston mentality. He can shoot the mid-range, highly effective. He's become an even better three-point shooter, and he's great defensively. And like we said, his whole mentality fits with the Detroit Pistons. Backing up or starting maybe even at some point, Luke Kennard, as he continues to develop, this kid can shoot. And, you know, it's no secret at this point, this kid can definitely shoot, and he has an extremely bright future in the NBA. And, um, you know, that's what the question went back to is Luke's success this year. We've seen it in flashes. Next year, I expect to see it 100% consistently throughout the year. Go to power forward, Blake Griffin, The Rock. He's going to come back. He's going to be healthy, folks. I'm extremely confident that Blake's going to go out and have another great year as a Detroit Piston with the way he's evolved as a basketball player. Backing him up, I think we got to go another year with, with Thon and, you know, we got to keep running him. He's a young kid. He's only 21 years old. He's fitting in this system a lot better than Milwaukee. I know he doesn't know how to use his hands yet. He has really, you know, just kind of some loses his basketball IQ moments. But I think that with Coach Casey, who's really good at developing young players, this kid can really become something here. And obviously at center you have Andre, and they're going to have to go get, go out and get a free agent because I don't see them bringing back Zaza, unfortunately, because he was a great kind of veteran presence in the locker room, but he's not getting enough done on the floor. Aaron, what do you think? What, what would you say to build off of off those guys coming back or, or not being here? Yeah, well, I think we're pretty much on the same page. I, I think the biggest disagreement we would have is I honestly think Detroit's fine at shooting guard I, I but I, our difference is I would classify Luke Kennard as a shooting guard I think where you're kind of classifying him as more of a small forward with just the way this team has been built and that's kind of the case this year with where he's played the majority of his minutes but I believe next year he'll kind of move back to that shooting guard spot my hope with Bruce Brown is that he can grow his offensive game enough to at least start showing some semblance of a capable player on that end and if that's the case he either should remain in the starting lineup or should play a key role off the bench. And then you still have Kyrie Thomas, who, again, I really, really like Kyrie Thomas. That was the guy I was high on out of the draft. It wasn't Bruce Brown for me, even though I liked him. I was really high on Kyrie Thomas. Langston Galloway still under contract. I would assume Detroit tries to move him in the offseason, but uh, that remains yet to be seen. 
I'm pretty certain that Detroit's going to come back with Reggie Jackson and Ish Smith at the shooting guard spot. I would put Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown, and Kyrie Thomas down at small forward. You have Glenn Robinson the third on a team option. I know prior to the last maybe week or so of the season, from most people it was, uh, this is probably Glenn's only season here, but I think Glenn has shown what his value is, and on a pretty cost-effective deal, Detroit would be wise to pick that up, so they have a little bit of size at small forward, and I think that'll also depend on what they're able to do in free agency. Are they able to get a good size small forward or in the draft is a is a DeAndre Hunter going to fall to them at 15 or another bigger uh, small forward caliber player is it, are one of those guys going to fall to them at 15 if that's not the case if they're not able to get a viable option you have to keep Glenn Robinson in the third round cuz he's the only wing above 66 on the roster um and then you know it's you know power forward I 100% Blake and Don again. Absolute Blake for all the reasons that don't need to be stated, but you roll with Don Maker because he's just 21 years old. That's another young piece you have to develop, and I'm all about Detroit looking to find young pieces and develop them and bring them along with the rest of this roster because the whole point of you know the pro tanking group is there's not enough young talent on this team. They're not good enough, but you bring these young talent guys along uh, with your competitive roster, and you can start to see them grow. I mean, not saying that Thon Maker is going to become Pascal Siakam 2.0, but Pascal Siakam was able to play minutes on a competitive team, and he, he's grown into arguably Toronto's third most important player, right behind Ka- Kawhi Leonard and playoff fraud Kyle Lowry. Uh, so you you develop young guys, and that's why going back to the, the first part of the question of do you trade your first round pick? That's an absolute no for me, even in a weak draft draft class. Uh, I want to take my shot if I'm the Pistons at getting a young piece, whether a point guard slips to them, whether it's a small forward. Even if they you know, trade back and pick Bruno Fernando as a center late in the first round, Just you want to put another young piece on this team uh, because you need cost-effective contracts for a team that's still cap-strapped going into next season, and you need more young talent because you want to have chances to, to find that next key piece for your team. And I mean, you look at the Pistons draft last season with Bruce Brown and Kyrie Thomas, and I think those, again, are two guys that have a future in the NBA and can have successful NBA careers. Uh, the biggest question mark for me is the backup center spot. I'm thinking, you know, Andre's pretty damn safe at the center spot. No one's touching him unless Detroit makes a very um, unexpected move to trade him in the offseason. But the backup center spot, that's the biggest question for me. If Detroit isn't able to draft a guy like Bruno Fernando, there's not a lot of centers available in this year's draft. I know Ryan uh, is a big fan of Nas Reed from LSU. So, I mean, maybe that's another prospect you throw out there. But, you know, I think that's going to probably be a spot where Detroit has to go out in uh, free agency and try to address that because Zaza Pachulia just is not cutting it for the Pistons. But we'll move on to... Another draft-related question, another team-related question going into next season, and it, you know the question comes from at jgrizzy77. Shout-out to him, a, a great member of Pistons Twitter and also the moderator of a Facebook Pistons uh, um, group, group uh, not chat, group page, I'm sorry. I, I'm new to Facebook. I'm try, still trying to learn Facebook, but he's a moderator over at one of the Pistons Facebook groups, uh, so he's great. He sent us a question, what's a viable target for the draft this year. We'll talk about where the Pistons will draft. We'll talk about it in the first round where they draft 15. That's the prospect we're going to talk about. Assuming that's what you're asking, and Dom, I'll let you start first with that. So looking at what CBS Sports wrote up and has on their site for their mock draft, they have the Pistons at 15, taking right now Tyler Harrow, 6'5", 14 points per game, 
4.5 rebounds per game and 2.5 assists per game. He's a killer free throw shooter, shooting 93.5% from the free throw line. The only thing, you know, he's he's good from three, but what's it going to translate to the NBA? He's shooting 35.5% from three. Uh, I think this is a kid with good size. I think he's put up good numbers in college. And I think this is a guy that, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing the Pistons take Tyler Harrow. I think it'd be a, a good prospect to get. That's one guy. Um, you know, CBS has pretty good mock drafts that they put together for the NBA. I'd probably say the most consistent ones over the years when they throw them together late in the year. I think that be a good pick for the Detroit Pistons. Obviously a guy we've already mentioned a few times because of the opening that we're going to have at backup center. Bruno Fernando, this is a guy that's going to go either early second round or late first round it's not going to be at 15 you know right around that slot so how we were talking about will we trade our first round pick no but i think the most likely situation to see them trade that first round pick is if ed stefanski sees what we see and says bruno fernando can be our backup center of the future that we can develop this guy into a great player to tandem with andre drummond i could see them dumping the 15th pick for either another pick or a prospect and moving back in the draft to go ahead and take Bruno Fernando, center out of Maryland, six foot ten. He's shooting, you know, nearly fourteen points per game, eleven rebounds per game. This kid's got a big motor, Aaron. Kid plays hard, plays like a Detroit Piston would play. And, you know, he's got a good NBA body. I think that's something that I'd love to see us take. It'd be a guy that could come in when Andre is either in foul trouble or just needs that break and come in and stretch the floor a little bit for a center. I think that'd be really helpful for a Pistons team that doesn't necessarily shoot the ball great, as we know. Uh, moving down the line, you know, you got P.J. Washington, um, Kelvin Johnson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Ty Jerome. Those are all guys that, you know, are going to shoot the ball well. And that's something that the Pistons need. I think that's what we have to look for in this draft. There's enough people centered around this area in the draft that um, I'm sure, like I said earlier, one of them is going to hit in the NBA and have a great career. We don't know who that is. That's the fun of the draft. But the other fun part of it is that we're picking 15th and we're going to have that opportunity. You know, people, Joe Dumars went 18th in the draft of the Detroit Pistons. You don't know who's out there. You know, the pro tanking crowd that's so concerned about being a top five pick you know, it doesn't just necessarily work out like that. You know, you don't know who you're going to get at the end of the first round. You don't know who you're going to get in the second round. So I think 15 is a great spot to pick up one of these shooting guards coming out of college. There's some young guys in here spanning from freshmen, sophomores, and we got a couple older guys that are juniors who have shown that they can really play at the college level. And I think the Pistons have a good chance to pick somebody up that they can run in light minutes next year. Or maybe we have another Bruce Brown situation where they come in to your point, they back up maybe Luke Kennard if we were able to dump Langston off the books and see how one of these kids can shoot the ball on the NBA level. What would you say, Aaron? Yeah, well, so the way I'm going to look at it is I'll give you a player at each position. If I'm looking at uh, you know, a point guard, where Detroit's at at 15, there just, they're just aren't too many point guards available uh, because you, know, you look at the big-name point guards in the draft and they're all pretty much off the board by 15. The guy that stands out the most is Nikhil Alexander-Walker, 6'5 combo guard, uh, who I really like. Played a lot of shooting guard, but was also forced to play some point guard this season and did a nice job moving the basketball without turning it over. He can shoot. He has good size. My, my ideal point guard would have been Kobe White. I think he's going to be off the board by 15. He's probably moved himself into the top 10. Talk if we're being honest with the with the season he had and especially the NCAA tournament that he had. So I believe he's going to be off the board. He would have been my number one considering uh, guys that I think could have been around. Uh, but I guess I'll go with Nikhil Walker-Alexander. 
at point guard at shooting guard. I'm a big fan of Tyler Hero. I like the way he shoots. I like his mentality on the court. But again, I'm not too concerned about shooting guard. I don't think that's going to be a position of need for the Pistons. Small forward, that's where it gets interesting again. You know, I want to give a quick shout out to Lazarus Jackson. Always thinking, always putting his mind out there. He's an editor over at Detroit Bad Boys. Tweeted out today an idea of the Pistons trading the 15th pick to the Philadelphia 76ers for the 24th pick and a 34th pick. That would put Detroit in the range at 24 to draft either Bruno Fernando at center or Cameron Johnson, another UNC guy that can just shoot the lights out of the ball, has great size for a small forward at 6'8", 6'9", and he's an NBA-ready player. He's you know he's 24 years old coming out of college, so he's you know a guy that's pretty well-rounded, pretty play you know played out in, in where his uh, potential is. So we know what he's going to be. We see the player he is, and that's a guy that you could plug into a, to an NBA team right away and, and see him produce. His shooting ability would be a huge help for Detroit, and obviously his size factor. At power forward, I'm a huge PJ Washington guy. I love. The way he plays, he developed a three-point shot this year. He was a double-double machine at Kentucky. He even showed some passing you know, ability. So that's a great, great guy that you could get if you wanted to go for a power forward. I don't think they will, considering Blake and Thon being on the roster. But maybe if they go with Thon at the five next season and they go get P.J. Washington, that could be the move. And then center, as I already mentioned, Bruno Fernandos, Probably my guy, even though I don't think there's really a center on the board at 15 that makes sense. With that, I want to transition into the last topic of the show. I want to skip past any talk about the first game of the series because we know what happened in the first game of the series, and there's really just no point in talking about a game that didn't that just doesn't matter anymore and, and doesn't matter for the Pistons. Uh, let's talk about Game 2. I want each of us to give out one thing we're looking to see from Detroit in Game 2. Right off the top of my head, Reggie Jackson. I want to see playoff Reggie Jackson. I want to see Reggie Jackson come out. I want to see him get to the hole. I want to see him hit the floaters. You know, he's missing that Reggie Jackson floater that he normally hits in the lane. I want to see him dump the ball off to Andre and them connect on that pick and roll, especially if Blake's out of the game. I think that's so important. I really want to see Reggie come out and hit some of those shots, you know, come off a crossover, hit the deep two, hit some threes, and, you know, really get some point guard play going because if Reggie can go out there and become an offensive threat especially without Blake Griffin on the court then the Pistons are going to be in a lot better spot my my thing will is throw the youth at the Bucks, and that starts with Luke Kennard getting a significant role on the offensive end I'm assuming Blake Griffin's not going to play so that means that Detroit is rolling with Bruce Brown and Don Maker in the starting lineup two guys that offensively just aren't positive contributors right now. I would put Luke into the starting lineup because it gives him a shooter, it gives him a shot maker, it gives him a shot creator. All those roles that Blake played that he won't be able to play if he's not playing. So I move Luke into the starting lineup. I unleash Kyrie Thomas. I let him go out there and just shoot the ball because he's been a consistent offensive threat when he's gotten in the game. Langston chucking shots back up at the rim. You know, he had he had one or two hot months and it was, you know, we, we kind of thought he had turned the corner but he's just chucking up stuff at the rim right now that just doesn't really have a chance of going in so I'm moving on from Langston Galloway that's a guy I'm looking to get off the books in the summer anyway so I'm throwing minutes to Kyrie Thomas or you could take him from Wayne Ellington who just wasn't making anything in in the first game either so I'm looking at what Kyrie Thomas can bring to the table I'm still playing Bruce Brown because Bruce still has value as a defensive player the only reason he has less value is because you really can't stop the Bucks. 
You can only try to contain them. And when you're not scoring the ball, containing them doesn't matter because you're going to have to score the basketball. And when Bruce isn't able to score the basketball, especially when he's sharing the floor with Thon Maker, who isn't you know, a go-to offensive option, and Andre Drummond, who is limited in what he does scoring-wise offensively, you need to have shooting out there. You need to have shot creating out there. So that's why Bruce probably plays a bit of a lesser role. I'm all about the youth still. Don doesn't you know, get blasted out of the rotation or anything. You get Glenn Robinson in the rotation. You keep him playing. Uh, and you let the youth go out there and just be pest. Do what, see what they can do. And, of course, that doesn't mean, you know, Reggie Jackson's getting benched or, or you know, Honor Drummond's getting benched. One, because there's really no youth at either of those positions. But you don't sit your best players just to get youth out there, but you get your youth out there when a guy like Wayne Ellington's struggling or Langston Galloway's struggling, and you just see what they can do. Um, finally, let's just predictions. I mean, do the Pistons have a shot in game two? I, it's hard to... Th- Imagine them having a shot in Game 2 with the home record of the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, when you have Lopez out there shooting like he's Stephen Curry and knocking down three-pointers in the first quarter of the game, it's really hard to imagine the Detroit Pistons, who only had one player in the first half of Game 1 hit a three-point shot in Luke Kennard, competing with this Bucks team, especially when... We've seen that Giannis's game plan is to go right at the Pistons, go straight down their throat, and jam just right down the lane and draw fouls on you know a guy like Thon or Andre trying to get him at the rim or catching a double team and dumping it off to one of their shooters. It's just the Pistons don't have enough to really slow this Bucks team down. Like you said, it's just. It's going to be really tough. I mean, offensively, I don't know. There's been a streaky Pistons team for the last few years with guys that we've had, even dating back to when KCP was on this ball club. And, you know, a lot of the current guys, this streaky basketball team that's kind of a mantra of the Detroit Pistons as of late. What if they come out, Aaron, and they just start firing away Langston Galloway as all of a sudden that three-week period Langston Galloway that we had that was just phenomenal and Wayne Ellington comes out and he's a 20-point Wayne Ellington, then I don't know. Maybe down the stretch, you know, you have your difference makers in Reggie Jackson, Andre Drummond, but I wouldn't count on it. What I'm really looking for, as you mentioned, is I want to see Luke Kennard go out there and shoot the ball. Just go ahead, be Russell Westbrook, and just throw whatever you want at the basketball hoop, and let's see what you can do. And I really, 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 really would like to see Kyrie Thomas go out there and play, and let's see what he can do on the offensive end. The kid can break ankles, and the kid can shoot. Let's see what he can do. Let's start working him in. It's tough to say this about a playoff series because this is not what the postseason's meant for, but it is kind of what the postseason's meant for when you have a $7 million a year coach who is one of the best coaches in the NBA with some young kids and some stars. It's time to mix it up and see what we can do at the basement level and really prepare. This is about the future, and I know there's people out there that want to talk about Blake Griffin being 30 years old and all these other things, but the future doesn't have to be you know, five years from now, seven years from now. The future can be two years from now. The future can be next year. And, you know, we saw that with the Milwaukee Bucks last year with the jump they've had from the bottom of the Eastern playoff um, standings to the top. And I think that's what Dwayne Casey's going for, and I, I think that's what we as fans like to see. I'm not looking for a win. Losing game one, it didn't make me mad. How we lost game one, it was embarrassing, but it didn't make me mad. I'm just happy to be here, and I'm happy to see these young guys get 
some time in the playoffs. And at the end of the day, you know, from the non-journalistic standpoint, it's a team that we love. And as, you know, people from Detroit and as fans, it's fun watching playoff basketball. And it's especially fun to watch Giannis Antetokounmpo play the game of basketball in a postseason setting. So, you know, let's go out there. Let's get better as a franchise. Let's get better as a team. And let's see what we can do. But, no, I don't expect to win. And I'm sorry, I forgot one Twitter question. This is from at Jordan underscore Hertel1. Uh, going back, I just want to hit on this really quickly here. Tom Gores, this is a question. Tom Gores took over the team in 2011, and the Pistons have not had much success since. For this, do you believe he gets enough heat, not enough, or just the right amount, and why? Oh, this this is my guy. Big shout-out to Jordan Hertel. Um, D. LaSalle alum along with us, and a, a great guy, great fan. And I think it's a great question. I think this is something that... You know, it's something that we can definitely bring up as of late. We saw Tom Gores in New York City. We saw Tom Gores at the last regular season game. And we saw Tom Gores in Milwaukee last night. I didn't expect to see that at all. And I think Tom Gores is trying to become this owner who is starting to see things on the basketball end. And to answer the question directly, I think that we did give Tom Gores enough heat because, Aaron, I'm sure you remember this, there was a time in the middle and the, towards the beginning of the season this year where Tom Gores, when he made his Twitter account private, and obviously that shows you that Tom Gores felt the heat from the Detroit Pistons fan base, and he knew that people were not happy with some of the things that were going on. He knew people were not happy that he was not at the games as an owner. And this is a franchise that's been very lucky with owners. We've had three owners. Zollner, who created the Detroit Pistons, moved them to Detroit, and was a great owner. Then we have William Davidson, who's one of the best owners in professional sports. And, you know, lived and died by this basketball franchise. And now we have Tom Gores, who we should be thankful he's from here. He understands the culture. He's all about the family-oriented side of the Detroit Pistons. I think that's where Tom Gores is great. And I think we have to respect that and admire that. And hopefully as time goes on, and I know it's been a few years now that he's been owning this basketball franchise, but I hope that he can really start to see the basketball side of things. Not too much because he's not a basketball guy, but to the point where he's at the games showing these guys that he supports them. I thought a big thing that spoke to him becoming um, a better owner of this team was the way that he had that meeting at his house in Beverly Hills around you know the trade deadline and he had everybody at the house he said we're gonna go make the playoffs and you guys can do this and this is what we're about in Detroit and I think that if you're a player it's a really good thing to hear if you're you know wanting to be part of this franchise it's a family-oriented franchise we had the 15th anniversary of the 04 guys we had the 30th anniversary of the 89 90 bad boys guys the thing that you always notice Aaron when people come back is they always talk about how this franchise is about family and I think we feel that as fans even and I think Tom Gorse has done a great job with that and now we're seeing him at the games and I think he felt the heat it's time to lay off Gorse a little bit and let's see what you know he can do with this new relationship with Casey who is going to be a great competitor and a guy who's going to help push this franchise to go do what Tom Gores wants us to do, what we want to do as fans, and as the media and everything else. I trust Tom Gores. I've been indecisive for so long, but really seeing how Tom Gores has changed this season, you know, I, I like him a lot as an owner. The growth from Tom Gores has to be uh, noted. It has to be accepted by those that have severely questioned his ability to run the team. Uh, as the owner this season we saw growth in the standpoint of maybe in years past when he would have said hey let's throw Luke Kennard and the first round pick together and let's go get Mike Conley that's a trade that he probably would have told Ed Stefanski to go make Uh, 
But this year, he trusted Stefanski, he trusted Malik Rose to to make the basketball decisions, and it paid off because uh, Reggie Jackson played played better in the second half of the season. Luke Nard played better in the second half of the season, and this team is is showing what there is to like, and then well, obviously what there is that needs to be improved. But you know, he's 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 made. A positive impact on the team this year. He's showing up at more games, and uh, you know it is important for an order to show up at games. It's important to show that he cares about the franchise. And even if Tom Gores does care, and maybe just didn't go to games for whatever reason, you still got to make an effort. And I can understand a fan's point of view when an owner isn't showing up to more than two or three games. I can understand that, but he's come out to games this year. He's supported the team. He's let the guys in charge of making basketball decisions make basketball decisions, and and that's why he's had a positive effect this year. Uh, Tom Gores has been very solid, and and Pistons fans should be happy with what he's done this year. They can be upset about what he's done in years past, but this year he's done the right stuff. Well, that's going to do it for us here. The Pistons play Game 2 on Wednesday night in Milwaukee against the Bucks. Game tips off at 8 o'clock. No word on if Blake Griffin's playing. Uh, The word right now is we had a report come out earlier in the day saying, that he wasn't playing, but then we had quotes from practice saying that Blake wants to play, he feels like he can play, it's up to the medical staff. So we'll see if Blake plays, we'll see if the lineup changes, we'll see if Detroit's able to stop Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks, but for now this is episode 60.5 of the Palace of Pistons podcast, and we'll see you on Friday for episode 61 of the POP Pod. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.